0: Hey, IdeaProv listeners, I want to let you know of a few logistical changes that are coming to the show. We're going to kind of test them out just because we're always trying to grow. First, we're going to change the co-creator segment more towards the beginning to give co-creators a little bit more time and space to showcase what they're passionate about and what's going on in the community. Secondly, we're going to install an invention of the week at the end of the episode. This will showcase any new inventions that are coming across in the United States or globally things that will impact your community, new inventions that might help make your life easier, or help make humanity better as a whole. I'd love to get your feedback on the new format. So as always, email me at ideaprov at gmail.com, or you can reach us on any one of the social medias using the handle at ideaprov. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to another Idea Prob episode um, with your host and primary co creator Mike Pedersen. Um, I'm here with a good friend of mine. We've actually been friends since. 17 years now (laughs) I think it's been a long time Uh, his name is is Damien and he's uh, he does a lot of impactful stuff not only in the community but then also from uh, from a research um, standpoint so I'm gonna let him kind of introduce himself and then we'll jump into his co-creator segment off the bat so Damien what's up how you doing let us know um, what what you're all about
1: awesome uh so as you said i'm damien stoddard i'm a mechanical engineer Uh, i teach at the university of mississippi as an instructor of the undergraduate labs and i do research in blast and impact dynamics so essentially you know we break stuff blow stuff up just to figure out how we can better design things to keep people safe when things go wrong right so uh to sort of segue into that because of the teaching and then the research that I've done have really made it sort of my mission to mentor students, right? And the reason being is because when I was an undergraduate student, a lot of the times your professor was sort of this this uh, individual that came in, gave the lecture, and then left, right? You never really saw them outside of that. There was there was no there was no personal uh, connection with them, so it made it very difficult. To, to actually come up and talk to them, even when you you know you needed help in the in the class, and I think a lot of the times, I think that's a detriment in the educational you know world or framework. So, you know, I've sort of made it. I've made it my mission to 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 help undergraduates along the way, uh, not necessarily hold their hand, but to to help them along the way to get them to where they they want to go, and also sometimes get them to where they may not have thought that they wanted to go. There, you know, there's been students that. When they first got in there, they stated that they you will never catch them in a lab, right? Doing any type of research because it's stupid, there's no reason to do it, right? And now that student is working in a one of the most prestigious national labs in the United States. (laughs) Right? So it's it's one of those things where if someone is able to to guide you and show you that hey, this may actually be something that you would enjoy or that's interesting, you know, I, I think that really helps.
0: Um, so I think, yeah, I think the mentorship part is like huge in the fact mm-hmm. that not only can you impact people from kind of that mental and educational level, but then you can yes. also impact people on the personal level, like. Maybe, Talking, like you're just talking about expanding like their horizons on things that they didn't even know was possible um, but then also kind of stretching their boundaries from a internal like personal growth perspective you know um, and, and I know what you mean because we, we started off and went to the same school and just going up and talking with those either those tas or those professors they just you, we saw them for that particular class but then after that those people disappeared and we were coming in trying to learn in a completely new environment environment and I don't want to say throw into the wolves, but right. it was it, it was seemed, challenging. It, yeah.
1: it seemed more robotic, if you will, business as usual, and not there really wasn't a personal connection. You know, which brings up, you know, multiple ideas on how people do mentorship. You know, so you can come at it from you know sort of two spectrums. One, like we said, yeah, the mentor is there, he gives you the information, you go back, do whatever they ask, and then you come back and show them what you did. And then there's just sort of a cycle of that. You know, which is, is fine, I guess. Um, <laughs> I've taken a more personal approach. Uh, and the reason being is I feel that that has actually helped. That helps out more times than it harms, right? Because, for example, I have had students come up to me and apologize for lab reports that they have submitted in class because they knew it wasn't their best work. Right. But that says to me that they they value the interaction that we have. They value their education enough to where they're willing to say, hey, I know this is not my best work. This is what happened. Right. You know, and sometimes that's enough for me to cut them a little bit of slack on the reports. Right. But. You know, so come, <laughs> Well, not necessarily cut them slack, but uh, I normally, you know, have a different I have a different grading style than, than, I, than I think a lot of other, you know, faculty members would typically have, which is um, I try to give to be as hard as as possible in the beginning to sort of set the tone and this is this is the bar, and you have to meet it, right? And help students see well, what sort of issues they may be having along the way and get them to that the where they need to be competence wise. Because you know, one thing, if you've ever met an engineer there's a couple of things that they really aren't great at, and that's a written communication or verbal communication. Vast majority of times, they are not good at that, right? And that's what I try to yeah.
0: So, <laughs> so, so, when have you have you noticed any of this in the personal lives of some of your team members or or some of your students have, and stuff like that? As far as a mentorship, absolutely.
1: I have noticed that a lot of the times, you know, you especially because I, I, part of the approach that I do is. Uh, Just shooting from the hip sometimes right so when we're in the lab and there's like five students and two of them are new I was like okay, I don't feel like explaining this I need you three to explain what you did and how you work this machine and, and go right so they're sort of caught off guard and but it's also in a setting that allows them to be a little bit safer. There's there's no stakes at play there, right? I'm there just in case they forget something, but it gets them in the mindset of I need to be able to communicate this information to someone else, right? Uh, it's one thing to be smart, but if you you know if you can't communicate the information that you're trying to relay, it doesn't really how ha- doesn't really matter how smart you are or how great your ideas, right? So you know doing that and then taking the more personal approach to where. I'm not this person that you just see only when I'm teaching, uh, I'm the person that you can come up and walk to do discussions on projects that you may have, try to help you get to the right person that you may need to talk to, to do that project. If I can't, if I can't, I'm unable to do it. Um, but to be that personal person, I I think that has really helped the students out because I mean, there's been cases where I have had so many students in my office and I have a pretty sizable office you know maybe want to clip that portion out of the video so no one of the other other faculty members hear that but <laughs> but i have a pretty good sized office and I had so many students in my office my advisor walked in and they just turned right around and walked back out <laughs> cuz there were that many students in there and he was like there's no way I'm gonna be able to get to him and then, of course I said okay you you and you because some of them were actually TAs they help you you and you help this person you help this person Uh, And then go from there, and was able to talk to him. But you know that I've had other cases where there were so many people in my office that I actually had to step outside of my office and use the lab space to actually help these students. And that that's sort of the approach that I've taken is to I want you to be feel comfortable coming up to talk to me to ask your questions because if you don't understand something, that's that's a detriment to the university. That's a detriment to you because you know when you get out of industry and you're supposed to know this, right? They're going to look and say, well, where did you go to school? Oh, okay, well, let me not hire anyone from that school anymore, right? And that's that's a
0: terrible situation to be
1: in. So...
0: Yeah, I think it's just really... I think it's really interesting because I think you can definitely tell that you have the passion for sharing your knowledge with others and i think that's just something that we kind of need to to really hone in and and we need a lot a little bit more of you know there's a lot of teachers out there and of course we can go on the dialogue about you know how much teachers need to get paid but um there's a huge uh, void i think for a lot of people in the fact that there's a lot of people that have a massive amount of information that they can share and there's a lot of people that are seeking that information and not everybody will always be able to learn directly from a teaching model you know from a teacher teaching a certain way maybe it's behind a podium it's whatever like we need to think about different and alternative ways to educate people um, in a fashion that's going to be helpful um, in a fashion that's actually going to resonate with them because not everybody le- learns from a textbook not everybody not, learns from and, a computer sometimes people need to and, be actually yeah, need and to that do actually that so
1: it's is good that you brought that up because that actually was a personal thing that I actually had to get past because for example, you know, when I went to certain schools uh, and and took classes and it was just the the typical cookie cutter, here's the lecture, here's the information and I, I, and I didn't learn it. I felt like I wasn't intelligent, right? That's how I felt. I was like, well, I must just be stupid because everyone else seems to be getting it. And that's not necessarily the the case. It's one of those deals where, people learn differently and in different ways that's not to say that they're unintelligent right and and, and the example i've actually you know had this conversation with certain you know students you know the example i give them is you know typically in your more northern schools um they are better at uh, essentially here's the book tell me the information right so uh, the example i use is uh, in a, a car engine, right? Since we for mechanical engineers, right? This is the only thing people think about when they can't talk about mechanical engineers, right? So if a Northern school, I could give the book, here is how to build an engine, here's all the theory behind it, build me an engine. And they would be able to hopefully give you some type of design to do that, right? The other alternative is in a more Southern school, which is more experiential learning is g- give you an engine, here's the engine, take it apart, tell me how it works and then build me an engine, right? The end result is the same, right? Which is a new built engine, right? But it, the the method to get there is different, and I think a lot of the times that's lost. But then also from the personal aspect, if your student's not even willing to come up and talk to you, you're not going to be able to do either of those. I would I would uh, I would say, All right? So you know, adding in those personal things um, to help students see you as a person as opposed to this this cookie cutter person that's just giving just that with information right to them um i think it's helped you know and one of the ways that i've actually done that is just to throw in small little tidbits right to where for example an extra credit assignment that i gave you know not really worth a whole lot of points was who is your favorite villain and give me just give me who your favorite villain is right and then at the beginning of the next class, I went over the list, okay, these are the villains, and of course, naturally, you get Heath Leather, Ledger's Joker, because, you know, that's it's a very good icon there for, for that, and you get some random ones here and there, uh, but it... Build sort of that connection with the professor because then you know the next thing I know when I'm going over the list is okay, well, who is your favorite villain? I was like, Oh, well, I got like three of them up here, right? And they're yeah. like, Really? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so <laughs> you build sort of that connection to where now you're not just this person that is just giving them information. You you're a human being, right? That they can Yeah, you're right. humanizing you're human yourself. Being. You're humanizing yeah. yourself that you take i don't know everything but let's all collaborate and work together to get everyone where they want or need to be right and they feel comfortable doing that like i said i mean normally normally on a normal day there is at least 10 students in my office um when reports start to come out after the first grading uh it is normally about 30 or 40 students um but the the whole goal there like i said is really to get them interested one in their own learning and and also just a a a thirst for knowledge well the a lot of times I think in this 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 sort of goes in a lot of context uh, which is people treat their job just as that it's just a job right just a a way to make money to get whatever they need you know and I, I understand that but it's also one of those deals where if it's just a job to you you may not necessarily be putting in the enthusiasm and effort to really make a difference in that field or or in what you're doing, right?
0: And Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you bring up that that education piece mm-hmm. because I think that kind of leads us into like where we're going from our our segment S like area in, in what we're talking about and you know, our 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 topic for this podcast was a little bit interesting because both Damien and I had <laughs> played our fair share of yeah, video games back, share at, games back in the day um we played <laughs> on a Still couple of some now. yeah <laughs> <Still today. laughs> yep, we played a couple of tournaments we used yeah. to play in the dorms when when we met and it was always a fun time um always a whole bunch of, of razzing and stuff and so i you know when i when i thought about this topic and we discussed it you know we're talking about the gaming world is growing and it's growing super quickly so you have electronic games all over the place you have teams they're traveling these guys are making sometimes eight eighty thousand dollars you know from winnings right and the old adage has always been you know we don't necessarily want shooting games for kids and stuff because it incites violence i think that's a conversation for a little bit of different different trajectory Um, (laughs) but it says however like these educational there's some educational games out there, but they've never had the impact of the traditional games have. So you're talking Gears of War, you're talking Call of Duty, you're talking Halo, all all the rest of them, right? Um, So is it possible to make an educational game to help growing minds learn and have fun in like a non-yuppie way? So my first initial thought on this, right, is I think there's ways that you can do it in the fact that like i think right now the heavy heavy games in in the scene are are the call of duties and those first person shooters right i think those are the ones that we're talking about we're not talking about the, the games that you play on your ipad for kids that are meant for kids i think that's a different story so getting through to parents that this particular shooting game is okay and is actually educational is probably (laughs) going to be rather challenging.
1: Very challenging.
0: But I think that there's ways in which that you can do it, right? So one of the ones that came into me is with those shooting games, how is it that we could teach kids, right? And so of course, you know, you'd be in mechanical engineering, like there's blast and then and, 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 and dynamics and impact and all that kind of stuff there. And then I'm also thinking of one of the ways that I always used to kind of think about it was um, about like, th- I don't know, throwing grenades in the games. Like all, all that is just complete geometry. Like if you, know, if you know geometry, if you know like how far, if you know it's, it's physics and, and throwing things, it's all kind of the same thing. So how is it, how is, I guess maybe we have to get with game creators or something in that nature to kind of figure out, hey, maybe instead of just throwing that actual grenade, you show the arc, or you show the degrees, or you show, you know, um, the distance and stuff like that. So that way that can be, I mean, I don't know if you can calculate it, but maybe you throw some metrics or something on the board after that particular round is over.
1: Yeah, so I, I think, you know, to piggyback on what you said, I think that brings up an interesting point is, is one, the approach of how we educate people utilizing these games, right? because there's one thing you know, a couple ways that you could do it. You could do some sort of subtle learning to more passive learning, if you wanna think of it that way, to where you just put in little tidbits here and there to, to essentially get people some knowledge of it, or just the overt, this whole game is designed to teach you this, right? And I think, unfortunately, with the latter of the two, that is generally either not gonna be fun or it's not gonna be entertaining enough to, to hold people's attention so you have to kind of find some middle ground so you know the point that you brought up is the the arc right so for example you know a new game that i was playing uh recently the division two you can actually see the arc uh just the arc pattern that you're throwing the grenades right but it would be another thing to add in like for example a small little element there to where if you you know have a different character you maybe can upgrade their strength or something like that to, to see okay if this person throws it at this velocity right and I use this particular arc what is the distance it'll go or or some combination of that to where you know people are actually having to think okay well if I upgrade my strength I'll be able to throw this a little bit further but for example I may not be able to up close I may not be able to really get the trajectory that I want or something like that um, and you can also do the same thing with you know the the uh, bullet trajectory right so some sort of feature that's built into the game that, you know, augments or changes the velocity of the rounds for whatever reason. So, you know, if you're using different ammunition or something, right? And then from there, it has some sort of information in there to basically give you flexibility to not necessarily calculate it yourself, but to, to show you how it's doing the calculation as to like the bullet drop or the trajectory or something like that, right? Right. on right. one. Yeah, yeah,
0: physics right? 101. And I'm, I'm thinking like you could, e- I'm not going to say easily, but I'm thinking it, for example, in a use almost in a classroom setting right, and you're gonna and to to those parents out there that would have some uh, aversion to their kids playing shooting games in class, uh, I don't and, really know what to I say mean, to that there's other ways to do that. there's other, I mean... there's other ways to do it, but i'm I'm thinking of a classroom in which a kid is playing a watered down version of maybe these games right um like I saw um a uh, a girl, a relative, playing one of these games, uh, like Bonus Daughter, there you go, um, playing one of these games, and it was a, it was a very boxy, almost looked like a Lego game kind of thing, but they still had the guns and stuff like that, and she was a little bit younger, so I said, well, what happens if you would put all these kids in a room that are playing this game? Most of them are gonna be relatively excited about playing it, right? But, at certain points in the game, maybe you have to do math problems or science problems in order in order to be able to figure this out right and so we learn about physics typically what maybe high school early high school ninth 10th grade so if you if we do that and you say hey everybody plays the game maybe the teacher has the ability to pause the game at a particular right. moment in time mm-hmm. exactly and definitely needed so all of a sudden boom that, that game is completely paused now everybody has to figure out a physics problem or a you know force or maybe a, I mean you, I don't know if you want to get into like thermal or hydrodynamics with any of any of that stuff with but you have the ability to say hey listen whatever you're doing in the game it comes up with with the dimensions or whatever and you have to figure out what you're doing in that particular time in that particular moment in order to be able to continue and maybe if you, if you aren't if you don't get that particular question right then maybe you don't advance to the next round Right. And so kids <laughs> are then, then incentivized yeah, to say, m- hey, listen, them. if I make it all the way through the three or four rounds and get down to the final two, maybe all the, all the students get to watch and see what's going on. Um, maybe, I don't know, I get extra credit or, or maybe you win that round and whoever wins X amount of rounds in particular in the classroom can, you know, I don't know, get extra 10 points in their next quiz or something right, like that. Right, right.
1: Yeah, I think that would really, you know, because if you don't have an incentive, Incentive to do it, or, or it's not fun. I don't. <laughs> students are not going to want to invest the time on doing it. All right, so you have to make it, you know, like you said, uh, to where essentially they have, you know, some some sort of portion that is fun that is keeping and holding their attention, and then it sort of segues into okay, here is the the learning aspect, and then right back into the fun portion, to where it's not just all overt learning here calculate this and then go and then calculate this and then calculate this and then calculate it right so the repetitive uh, sort of teaching method that we've already used uh, I don't I don't think now repetition you know is a is a way to learn but sometimes I think it ends up being a detriment to where people are just they learned to go through the motions as opposed to actually learning the concept so we would also need some way to, to tailor these games to where they're learning conceptually what is happening. Learning the actual mathematics behind it, if they have some mathematics behind it. But it's all still enjoyable and fun to them. Um, so they don't feel like they're doing work. And that, that's really the biggest key there, right? If you feel like you're doing work,
0: it's more than likely not going to, to go well. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 not go, like, <laughs> it's not gonna go well. Yeah, it's not gonna go well. Yeah, it's not gonna go well. And then, and, and it's... It's funny because like, I know of some teachers that have done this, right? So I remember my physics teacher in high school was exceptionally, like, really great at doing this. And he would just take random things and, you know, we did a lot of fun things in class that made it engaging, right? So one was firing bottle rockets. You know things like that. It was physics teacher, so we would take outside. We had a big grassy area. We'd, we'd buy rockets, and you had then you had the parachutes, and you had to calculate and all this stuff. And before you got to fire your rocket, you had to you had to know all the math behind it. You had to know the force, you had to know the distance, you had to know whatever. And I still remember most of my metrics right now. I remember it was exactly. a sidewinder, it was like two feet long. You <laughs> yeah. know, I had grade D parachutes. Yeah. It was yeah. it was it was. But great. that
1: goes to show that you that that moment. Uh, actually, was uh, impressioned on you that you actually learned the information and not just went through the motions. I can't tell how many times I went through a class and like, "Well, I learned nothing, but I did well on the test, right?" <laughs> like, "Well, I learned nothing," and you just walk out and you're like confused, right? Because it it was that that conventional approach uh, as opposed to uh, you know using a different approach where which allows people to really learn the information. You know, when I when I say that, that's basically if I come, you know, five, ten years later, you know, and they've been doing this, they can they can go right back to what they learned, you know, if they haven't been doing it or not. So, you know, I think I think that and then also I think another element that you know some people don't like, some people do, and I guess it's really, you know different depending on the person, but is some sort of competitive portion in there as well. Right. Um, there are individuals who really, they are going to get very competitive,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what the game is for, like, you're competing.
1: Right, you're competing, you know, as I think back to when I was in high school, and, you know, I was, there was a, I think, I can't remember what the, what the, uh, the team was called, but basically, it wasn't like a debate team, but it was like a, uh, sort of a trivia-type team, right? You have four people on a panel, you have these buzzers, And you know you buzz in whenever you have the answer, but the fact that it was competitive sort of gave you a little bit more drive uh, To actually want to to get better and learn all the random facts and information to to be able to compete You know, I also think that too much competition is also not good You know some examples I can give you uh, is just in, in you know from my background is you know in the research field It gets very competitive and now what that ends up doing is no one wants to collaborate
0: right Mm, (laughs) which is a huge
1: absolutely a huge detriment you know because you get into these cases where you have two people working in the exact same field one of them has some information that the other one needs to understand a concept and that other person has information that the other one needs to to basically fully develop the understanding of of the uh the field but they won't talk to each other because it's it's too competitive Right, because they don't want to give their ideas to someone else that's then going to turn around and get research funding, and then they won't get their research funding. Right, but my thoughts are: is why not just come together and you both put in the money for the research funding for a better, well-rounded argument? Right. Yeah, and so, so that
0: brings like a team aspect to everything too, right? right? Exactly. So, like, if you, yeah, okay. You need a
1: team aspect, and it and it, and it really needs to have some sort of competitive uh, aspect in there. But like I said, it cannot be too too competitive because then you get into the the weird sort of context where then it ends up being basically a double-edged sword right you end up getting past the point of where you're no longer cooperative you're just trying to do every man for himself which i I think is is not a good way to do that
0: right right right. now i think you hit on you hit on a good point because i was thinking especially from a competitive aspect when i was It had to have been, oh, I'd say maybe seven, eight. We had these these things where we would go around and we would do multiplication tables, right? And it would be competing, like one person would be standing in the row of kids and everybody would be sitting. And the teacher would show the multiplication table on the board, whoever could answer first would get up and walk to the next chair and you walked all the way around the room. And I remember, I didn't, I mean, I was, I was pretty good at math. Right, right, right. And so my goal was: I wanted to get around the room right. like twice, <laughs> like, like, just and just lap everybody. Right, it was like laughing. nobody is standing up on my watch. Right. Like, nobody's taking my spot. I'm right. destroying it, and I got to do it. I right. got to do it once, and it was fantastic. Yeah. But right. I remember I would go home and I would like analyze and drill multiplication tables in my head just because I'm competitive. Now I realize not everybody has that competitive streak in them. But I do feel that adding that element is going to be super helpful for people, especially if you do it in in the, not to say the confines, but with the methodology of a team aspect, right? So you have like a blue team and a red team. And let's say you have to complete these particular objectives in the game, right? And so you have, um, you can. Reduce the amount of people over there i.e. you take them out from however, you know Maybe we freeze them in the game or whatever, but you have to solve these particular equations Before you get the ability to do that or let's say that you want to have this ability where Both teams have to solve a particular problem, but if you solve this problem first then you get a power up that Slows down their processing speed or they don't get to to do whatever.
1: and that is, t- you know, the aspects that I would, you know, suggest that they add into these these games if they're going to make them is, is that competitive, but not so competitive that it's every man for himself, right? You have to have the team element there, right? Because without the team element there, you know, one of the skills of you, for example, lifting up, you know, your fellow man to, to help them get to where they need to be is also an issue. So say, for instance, you have like two teams, right? And... It's a, a shooting game, right? Just, just This is just an example that I'm just coming up with on the fly here, so don't don't, don't write this down. But uh, <laughs> two teams, right? Eight on eight, and each of the teams, right? It's a shooting game. They have to be able to calculate. They each have different rounds or whatever that they're using, which give different velocities. They need to be able to calculate the trajectory at, okay, 100, 100 yards, what is your velocity, or what is the bullet drop, or something like that. And they all have to do that, Individually, so that all basically the moment you get it uh, for that person, they are able to actually be in the game and shoot, right, Ooh, or yeah, something yeah. like that. But obviously, you don't want to just be the only one there because, you know, for example, the other team is four people, right, uh, or eight people on the team, and two or three of them have done it, right. So it would sort of instill, okay, well, maybe if I already think I have the answer, maybe I can help my teammates out to get that answer that they need right to give it that more cooperative sense okay this is what i'm pretty sure the answer is and then sort of give them the 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 uh, ability to time when they put their answers in right
0: ah uh, okay and so essentially like a, like a collab- group like a group like for example yes. you're talking about when you're spawning right. into the game instead right, of just exactly. coming in on one exactly when you're and- spawning
1: into exactly yeah so another aspect is you know obviously you would have to make it to where um, because if, it's, if it was some sort of death match, if, you know, anyone that doesn't know what that is, you basically just kill each other, kill the other, the other team, um, obviously I don't think in that context it would work. That would have to be some objective that was in there that you could do and still win the game without actually, you know, obliterating the other team, right? So something like a CTF game, right? So you get there and you can capture a flag, but if you're the first one there and you're done three minutes before everyone else, you may have time to keep capturing all the flags. <laughs> capture right? the flag, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. capture all the flags. Versus, you know, the alternative which is, you know, you wait and you know, you bank on the other team getting, you know, one person there and you end up getting killed and once you're dead, it's
0: over. It's a a wrap.
1: It's a wrap and then you, you know, now it's a seven on eight or something like that. So to give it to where, you know, they have to not only be able to do the mathematics behind it, but they have to have some sort of strategy behind it as well. So, okay, maybe we'll only send in two people, you know, at least one person to cover the other person to make sure we can at least do something before one person just goes in there and just sprints for the flag, thinking they're the first person there, and the other team already got four people with the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Moment> <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of trickle in and get rolled yeah, down. Yeah, that's right? not
0: happening. But that strategy piece is huge, because then that then that's gonna teach kids to, to yeah to not only just not necessarily work for themselves, but work in the team aspect. So they said, okay, we can I, like I can get the answer myself, right? That's great. But okay, can, can can yeah, but I can't win. Like the the probability. From, from a mathematics standpoint, the probability that I'm going to be able to win this game by myself out there is going to be small. I'm going to need a team. So it's not only going to instill people solving the game problem as far as being able to play the game, but then also saying, hey, I need a teammate to be able to assist with this. So before I drop into the game, let me... Yeah help my teammates that way we can drop maybe two or three people into the game which increases our odds of winning the game
1: exactly you know and it also helps um see helps people realize where they may you know be deficient so say for instance you know instead of you calculating you know the 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 drop point right you need to calculate some other aspect in the game that you may not necessarily know all the mathematics as well that person on the uh, you know on your team would hopefully be able to Uh, essentially basically see people as puzzle pieces as opposed and multiple pieces as opposed to um, a box right that you yeah everything fits nice and neatly together it's okay I may be deficient in this but I know this person is good at this so as a team we are better overall as a team versus just me by myself right and I think a lot of times that that is not really done um, in in a lot of games or at least no, I would say the people who are wanting to be competitive, but aren't actually in the gaming competitive realm, more, nine times out of 10, see themselves as, okay, uh, I I have this skill, my team needs to get with the program.
0: Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I am
1: the centerpiece here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am the main right. cog in this right. field. Like, yeah. I am the man who is getting everything done. I'm putting the team on my back and carrying these losers to the win, right? Versus no, I may not be this good at this, uh, I may not be as good in this aspect as this person, so I'm gonna need that skill, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to what has happened in, in Overwatch. So any of the people who may not be familiar with that, different characters have different abilities, right? So naturally, these characters, because of their different abilities, are gonna excel at doing something different, right? So, with that being in mind, it has exposed a lot of people you know coming off of the original call of duty or halo who are basically just one man army right to where yeah you're good at shooting but so what <laughs> like, there's other aspects <laughs> it only takes you so far and in that game it doesn't take you far at all because for example if you're good at shooting and you know you have certain certain um certain characters and they have ability to have shields right? <laughs> You have to shoot through their shield versus there's other characters that don't necessarily, that's not really a detriment to them, right? They can just walk through that and not necessarily care about it because they have their own shield, right? And you sort of have to depend on them to be able to do that so you can even get in range to shoot someone, right? So, so what if you have a perfect shot if you can never shoot anyone? If any, you can never shoot
0: help? anybody. And the thing is, right. like, the, one, the one part that that I think would be kind of neat is like if you if we're spinning off of let's say the the Halos, the Call of Duties, the heavy shooting games, right? If we have something that's more of an adventure focused game, right? And so oftentimes those, the campaign modes for those games, which is, you know, to, to those listeners who might not be super versed, you'll have a general multiplayer mode, which we'll play with other people online. And then in the campaign mode, you're just playing with a computer simulated, like uh, storyline, right? So, in those computer simulated storylines, like this could be a perfect opportunity that if you were to build a game educationally, you're going to need other people with different skill sets. So, maybe if you develop this for a classroom or for younger individuals, you can say, hey, um, we're going to need let's say four people on a team, right? And so you're gonna need somebody who's really good with mathematics, maybe somebody who's a little bit better with trajectories and physics and and things in motion. You might need somebody who's a little bit uh, more versed in geometry and angles. And then you might need somebody who's a a little bit more uh, adept with uh, probabilities maybe of what you're gonna need. And then that team of four may progress through the game and then they can help each other by when they come across certain objects in that particular game to overcome them and say, hey listen, in order to get past it this is is what you're going to need to do. You need to solve this particular problem. And then everybody gives their individual expertise so they all get over it and they all progress through the game at a different thing. Now, the actual Interface of how that's going to work in the storyline. I'm sure there's plenty of game creators out right. there that can there's make something that for can, this. That can do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the one that sticks in my head from way back in the day is the Oregon Trail. I believe that was like <laughs> yeah. one of the very Where first games. <laughs> you, know, you never finished it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the like Oregon Trail. That was a huge, long one. I remember there was another one, but those those are the very first like. I guess, instructional, educational games that people could actually get on board with. So, if we can modernize that, add some more, a lot better graphics, <laughs> a lot better graphics than that stuff, I think you have the recipe for something that can actually work, yeah, that, that yeah. kids are actually going to, I guess, want to benefit do. from, and then yeah. also want to play.
1: Exactly. So, you know, another another aspect uh, or another example that I was thinking about, and this is really more for a collegiate level, um, particularly engineering, where, you know, of course, because that that's my field. But say, for instance, car engine design, right? There are many aspects that go into car engine design, right? Uh, For the entire car Uh, not just the engine in and of itself, but you you have aerodynamics that you got to worry about Right. Is this thing gonna be a block and just gonna you know eat gas just because it is poorly designed aerodynamically You know the mechanical kinematic systems and all that is is how do these gears and these these arms work together to basically produce power to the road There's a chemical aspect as well. You know, what sort of mix ratios do you need? There's a lot of different aspects in there, but that would really uh lead to a a good um sort of competitive game that you could do even amongst students in the class or even amongst different universities to basically okay you need here's this game that has you know a couple different built-in parameters that you need to fit and then build this vehicle and then sort of use that to to springboard to uh there is a i think asce um any ASE or something like that American Society of Automotive Engineers but they they're supposed to build a vehicle every year right and then they compete you know to sort of implement this game in there to where you know it helps helps them understand the learning portion behind it versus they're sort of thrown to the wolves well you need to build a car engine figure it out on your own which is is really not a great way to do that but this not but this program wouldn't really hold their hand but what it would allow them to do is they would be able to work through that and sort of in a competitive ma- uh, manner, get all the aspects that they need, and then build that vehicle, right, to where it 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 uh, it gives them the information that they need, but not necessarily uh, handholds them throughout the entire experiment, the experience.
0: Experience, yeah, and, and I think I think that's good because you have to build that autonomy when you're doing this, right? You can't have them just completely have their hands held now. But, you know, pivoting to whether, like I always like to kind of look at it from a from an impact perspective, right? So, if you're having either at the collegiate level, high school level, um, maybe even middle school level, depending on how how you're developing, uh, I guess what's what's the impact? Like, what are, what are we going to be gaining? Of course, we can say hopefully we would encourage kids would would have better maybe test scores even though maybe test scores not aren't the aren't the the end-all be-all but i'm thinking the the overall impact of this would be something in in the lines of you're going to create teamwork within individuals you're going to be able to get a better experience um, a better engagement from kids because kids all oh, they na- they naturally want to play play games, right? They're gonna they always want to play games more than they want to read from a textbook or something. You have you have to make it fun for them in order for them to want to participate. And if they play these games already, why can't they, why can't they they transition it, right? I'm thinking of a high school kid playing Call, Call of Duty. It's fine. He's he's in eleventh grade. He's in twelfth grade. Whatever the case is. Um, If you can, I think you can make a game that's fairly similar, if he's playing this at home, he's just playing the game straight through. If he's playing this at school, all of a sudden, or in a more educational setting, at least he's almost getting the same fun level of it, while still getting the education, education. while still building the teamwork with others you know while still building the cognitive space about uh you know methodology and differential thinking and and all those kinds of things in different areas so i'm thinking now will a game developer make it
1: maybe I don't know. maybe, maybe. Not. i don't know maybe but you also brought uh, i would also bring up another point that i think would also help is retention of the information right you generally remember things and events that were either fun or exciting or uh, in, in that context, so if you make the game fun enough, they the retention of the information, I think, will be better, right? Uh, like I said, it, it's I can't tell you how many times I've taken a class, it's like, well, i learned nothing, right? It's like, because all they did was, you know, they gave the cookie cutter educational experiences. Here's the book, learn the information, take the test. Here's the book, learn the information, take the test. And I personally think that, you know, the at least in certain contexts, uh, you obviously have to test students to, to to get a grasp of how well they understand the concept, but I think a lot of the times uh, we take that too much uh, too much into into the fact and basically treat that as the end all be all. Right? You can still learn after that test. Right? That's one. And not only that is, I think tests would be better suited for uh, essentially understanding where people are deficient. Right, Because it's one thing to, to, to be deficient and not know it, right, and another thing to, to be deficient and know that you're deficient and know that maybe you're not going to get it, and you need to actually consult someone who's an expert on that, and that that, that I think will instill more of a collaborative approach as opposed to, you know, typically in an education system, everyone is tested against everyone else, and it, it, like I said, it's a free-for-all, every man for himself, so I need to know all the information for myself, and that, that I think is unrealistic, right? If I was to try to learn every aspect of, of a car, right, there, I'd be here all day, right? I'm only concerned research-wise in my standpoint, okay, if I run into a brick wall, is this person gonna live, right? So I have that expertise versus another person who has, okay, well, if aerodynamically this thing is gonna eat, I mean, basically, I'm basically just making a trip to the next gas station, because they are dynamically it's very poor, it runs very poor, and you know, that person has that expertise or you know, someone else is concerned with another aspect. But like I said, that would I think help in terms of the collaboration and help people understand that sometimes it's okay to not to, to not be an expert in this in this area. It's it's enough to know a general idea of what is going there. That way when you're interacting with this person, you can actually you can actually understand some of what they're saying, Because right? Yeah, one of the issues we have in the engineering field is you have an expert in this field, an expert in this field, and they're unable to find that middle ground to help explain where one side course correlates with the other side, right? Right, right, right. It's, it's,
0: it's, huge, it's huge that you bring that up because I think for a lot of people, and I shouldn't say a lot of people, the thought processes, right, in traditional education systems is, is like you said, every man for himself. Everybody wants to learn. You're supposed to learn like when you like we, we go through this big giant lens of, you know, K through twelve, learn as much as you, you possibly know in as many different areas, and then you're supposed to know everything, jump out in the world and be fine. Exactly. Right? You're supposed well, to be able to figure everything out. <laughs> but then right. when you when you get into either a corporate environment or a or you know, even in just everyday life, right, then all of a sudden the I guess the paradigm kind of flips, right? And then all of a sudden, you're supposed to you're supposed to know when to know everything, and then when to ask for help, right? Like, if 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 I'm a if I'm a gardener or something like that, and I and I grew up you know learning about biology and all that kind of stuff, if my sink breaks. I need a plumber. I, and most people like it's a completely different skill set. It's a completely different mind frame. It's completely different everything. And so you go, you go seek the experts in those places. So why don't we instill that same thought process and growth process in a younger generation to say, hey, listen, here's a general sense of what you want to do, but at the same time, like use teams of people to solve problems rather than trying to fix it all yourself right rather than knowing all yourself so i think that team aspect of it and then of course like you said the retention of information is massively huge as well because i'm thinking of uh, one that came to my head when you were talking um just now was the concept of like a Wild West shootout, like everybody's seen that like saloon thing where you have two you know gunmen and you fire. Like I'm thinking of that as a perfect game analogy where two students could play against each other, right? And as soon as they both have to solve the same problem, whoever solves the problem first gets to I don't know their their particular individual avatar gets to blow up the other one. I mean, I, of course you can you know, reduce the violence on that. You know, you can you could, you could kidify that, if you will, and you could say, hey, one person, you know, evaporates into smoke or, you know, one person gets a water balloon tossed at them or something like that. But um, for grade school kids, I'm thinking that's a pretty good way to kind of, I mean, it builds their competition juices, helps them to solve problems, you know, and you can do it back in that team aspect as well. Um, but I think it's huge because then you're able to associate what you're learning with things that are happening in that almost kind of real-time format, right? So when they leave class that day, you're hoping that eighth, ninth, tenth grader, whatever the case is, will be able to talk with his kids and be like, yeah, well, I solved that particular math or science or English or geography question faster than you did, and you got slapped in the face with a pie. <laughs> you you <laughs> right, know? Yeah. And, and it's yeah. going to be like, I mean, yeah, it might could be a little cheesy. Right, um, but it's... And,
1: it's- Still something to get them going, right? Right, uh, right. And, you know, and I also I've actually thought of an example that might, you know, at least in the physics realm, right? A water balloon fight, right? You got eight people on a team, water balloon fight in the game, uh, and you know that you should know. I mean, if they're teaching physics at any level, you should have some ideas to the equations that, that you need to use. But in the game, say for instance, uh, they don't tell you what any of the parameters are. They only give you a couple of different things to 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 actually to be able to identify those. So say for instance, you know, you throw this thing and it goes a certain distance and it takes a certain amount of time for it to go there, right? From there, you should be able to actually do more calculations and back calculate what, for example, maybe your velocity was and things like that, to where uh, it's not like I said the hand holding to where you're given all the information and then you have to crunch out some number. No, I need to figure out which of these equations I need to use right to solve this problem and but the whole goal there would be to you know each person may have a different different pieces right and you all have to come together to then have this water balloon fight right so another aspect that i think is also um uh, that we may we really haven't touched on is uh we need creative ways uh to do this right uh, like people actually are going to have to sit down and think of a creative way to to essentially get this information across the students in this game. Because for example, one of the things that, you know, I've always tried to do is come up with better ways to instruct the students so that when they are thinking about this, they either at least retain what I was going over when I was doing the instruction, uh, or or they were so interested in this this example that I did that they didn't even realize they were learning, right? So for, you know, one, two examples I'll give you, one of which is, Uh, The written communication right so I I told you you know undergraduate research and uh, also just in class I try to stress that because if you can't written if you have no written communication skills It doesn't really matter how good your ideas. No one's gonna buy it, right? Um, But with that in mind, so what I did was I just did a simple procedure I said what I'm gonna do is you guys are going to half of you are gonna close your eyes The other half are gonna observe I'm gonna do some action and I want you to write down the procedure on what I did Right? And then we're going to give your procedures to the people who didn't see anything and they're going to do it. And we're going to see if you get the same result as when I did it, right? And then what they quickly realized was a lot of them left out a lot of details, right? Um, you yeah, So you have, you know, that, that sort of that creative teaching method uh, that I think would uh, ultimately help the, get the point across. And, and then another one for, uh, and this is really more on the research side and also some of the outreach. Uh, To to high school students or or middle school students is a nerf gun fight, right? So you have two or three students or or sorry, three or four students have a nerf gun fight and you record it with some type of video uh, System, but from that we could teach them how you can use your camera To find the velocity of whatever projectiles and sort of the physics behind what is actually happening, right? Uh, But those creative ways to make it to where it's like I said, Make it to that subtle learning, right? You don't even realize you're learning, you're learning something, and then all of a sudden, you know, you realize, oh, well, I know how to do that, right? Uh, versus, like you said, that in-your-face textbook approaches. This is the equation. This is what you need to learn. This is the concept behind it. Now, go do something great with it. <laughs> I think most of the time that ends up ends up. Uh, being an issue with a lot of students, you're like, well, I know how to do this calculation, but I don't conceptually understand why why I should even know it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah that
0: makes a whole lot. That makes a whole lot of sense, and I think this is also applicable to a lot of different types of games as well. Right, a lot a lot of games that are out there are strictly for fun, and I think if somebody put in a little bit of thought, they could have solved a lot of, I guess, direct questions for it. So, one of the ones that. Um, my bonus daughter plays a lot, I think it's called Roblox, as kids, and it's kind of like a, almost like an old school Sims game, right? And so you can, you play in another world and you can have pink hair and, you know, you have all these different things, and nothing against the platform. I, I think it's great as, as far as uh, a mental space for kids to kind of explore imagination and do whatever they, do whatever they want. They can ride crazy bikes and play with friends. Um, but I was thinking about it with the game, and you know, she can build houses, and she can build the, uh, um, she can have cars, and all these different things in there, and uh, restrooms, and uh, patios, and have a pool, and it seems like every two or three days, she's like, oh, look what I put in my house, and look what I did in my house, and I just like, you know, with everything, like, she, she likes playing this game, I, was, I said if the developers of this game added just a little bit of education just a little bit of education with it like hey what are the building materials that you're using for your house is it wood is it steel is it is it brick exactly i said as far as interior designing what color patterns are you looking for you know and and you're helping building those skills in a very subtle way but it's still going to resonate as far as what's, what's happening. Now, I think they do this in some games, right? Um, you know, like if you're building a ship, you know, they say, hey, you need wood, you need metal, you need, you know, whatever. So it's like, okay, I get that, but... And, and at the same time, there's, there, is a, there is an argument that sometimes kids just need a creative space, right? They just, they, they don't always need to be non-stop learning right i feel exactly. like in yeah, a lot I get of that. these i get that but i if think there's were, just a level of credibility
1: if you're in the education setting that that argument doesn't hold up right cuz in the education setting you you're there to get an education you i mean your your time after that is different right? but you know to, to piggyback on what you said is uh or what you just said uh, we could also try to add maybe potentially some sort of consequences to these decisions that they make. Because, you know, the example you brought up is house building, right? You can build it out of wood, you can build it out of brick, you can build it out of steel, this, that, and the other. But, say for instance, you have some, some weather aspects in there as well, so all of a sudden it gets really hot, and you built your house out of nothing but steel. Now your house is 200 degrees, right? Because you built an oven. Yeah. <laughs> your character doesn't make it into the next round. But, yes, <laughs>
0: yes. That makes total sense. Right. It makes total right. sense. Or you
1: build it on a brick, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's very good in the weather.
0: Or you build it out of nothing but wood, and weather all of a sudden I mean, blows it away. Lightning right? strike, and burns right. up. Like, these exactly. are real-life applications of things that happen. Things. And not only mm-hmm. that, but I also think that would help with... The internal aspect of kids' brains as well to realize exactly. like not not to say that there's consequences for everything, right? But right. To show them that cause and effect, hey, cost effect, cost effect, cause and effect, right? Cause cause and, effect. and effect. Like these things happen to regular people on a regular uh, on a regular basis. You know, unfortunately, people's houses burn down. Unfortunately, people make mistakes when they're using building materials, um, and and so when they get into the real world and they see these these issues happen to people, it's easier for them to process because all of a sudden they've seen this in their game as well, right? You know, they're not asking questions because they're totally mystified when something happens because they said, oh, well, I saw that in my game and that makes sense. That's what happens when X and X happens, you know, so finding that educational tool. So I think we, no, I think we got some really good stuff here from, um, like a like an overall perspective overall perspective. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so. I, I just
1: want to bring up just just this is this is total sidebar stuff right now um, <laughs> But it's also in the education system. I You know, we said cause and effect and my mind just went to this conversation. I just had with this student I don't still understand the difference between the two words effect with an a and effect with an e right? so <laughs> I should have learned that at some point, but I still don't get, I, it's something that doesn't compute. But I feel like if it was in a game or some sort of setting, I might have retained it better. Right?
0: Yeah. Um. So I don't know. So maybe maybe so. so grab your there. pen and paper because I actually saw an illustration. I'm gonna school you on this real <laughs> quick. <laughs> school me on this. <laughs> so apparently there was two people and one's sitting next to like a pool, right? Okay. And one pushes. And, and believe me, any listeners out there, if I get this wrong, feel free to comment, <laughs> feel free to blow me up. I will absolutely yeah. love, I love being corrected and, and school me when I'm thinking I'm schooling somebody else. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so two people next next to like, let's say a pool. Okay. One pushes the other one. The okay. other one falls and is in midair. That is the effect of being pushed.
1: Okay. So, so you're falling. The effect of being pushed is the, is you falling
0: into the pool. Okay. Right. Now no not, not that you're in the pool, that you that that you are in turn have been pushed. Okay, right? start over. <laughs> <laughs> so one I person pushes the other eyes. one. <laughs> so the guy the guy that 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 is getting pushed, he has been affected by the push. That by is the push. By the push, okay. that is the E. So his so action
1: of falling was because of being pushed, and that's the effect of being pushed. That's the effect. Okay, he, gotcha. he was
0: affected with an A when he was actually fully in the water. That was the effect of what okay. what was caused of,
1: of the action, which was the push. Correct. Okay, all right, I think I got that a little bit you better. See what I mean? all
0: yeah, everybody right. got so, the lesson.
1: Creative ways to teach guys, and then also. uh... Engineers, I just want to put that out there. Engineers are generally not good with words. <laughs> We're better with numbers, right?
0: Better with numbers. Okay. I
1: swear I'm smart. <laughs> I swear I'm smart guys. I'm doing uh, doing research on body armor and trying to develop a new body armor. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs>
0: all right, so so we're all getting shot because yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so so to summarize, to recap, here's some things that we need to do from a gaming educational perspective. So one is definitely bring. We, we think helping with a competitive element to the education will help kids to learn um, better, because then they can try and execute faster. Um, I think there's a little bit of an element there that we have to look at in regards to not every student learns through competitive speed, um, but at the same time, I think that will help a lot of kids um, in in that fashion building games that, that will help them. Um, adding a team aspect to it so that way they can learn to kind of operate in teams and that will also bring um, a strategy element to it. So uh, a teamwork aspect from either, uh, you know, solving in different forms, having different specialties or not, and then also this will improve the retention of the information and improve uh, the creative ways that we look to solve things. And we use different skills for different tasks in kind of a co-op and gaming form. So if we were to translate let's say a Call of Duty game into one of these games, we could say, hey, let's make this into two teams of a red and a blue team, in which they have to solve particular problems in a timely fashion to be able to come into the game. And then once they're also in the game, if they want special adaptations, um, special configurations for their team members or whatever, they would, um, solve different problems. Maybe they get an extra life or maybe they get extra ammunition, um, or, uh, extra attributes, um, like, like body armor and stuff like that. And so by adding those elements to the game, we can kind of add an educational piece to the game while still preserving the integrity and fun of the game to make it enjoyable for kids to participate in
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's i agree with all all that uh that that stuff that you just went over (laughs) unless we can do that you know unfortunately it's just it's it will not have the impact that we're really looking for which is to to help educate and push the education further right, education system further.
0: Yeah, and it's all about kind of making sure that we kind of push the education system forward. There's a lot of other avenues and ways in which we can do that. And I think you know, gaming is one of those ways in which we can really um, push the envelope while still, make it, still making it fun um, for people. So um, I think that was a really good show. We got into a lot of really good points um, I want to first and foremost, you know, thank Damien for coming on the show and adding his, uh, his expertise, not only from a ballistic standpoint, but from his <laughs> gaming background. So I think that was most helpful for everybody.
1: Yeah, so it was a pleasure being on.
0: Excellent. So um, for all of our listeners, make sure that you can uh, tune in to us. You can find us on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're always increasing our platforms that um, we're trying to be on as well. You can also find the show at ideaprov.live. Follow us on all of our social handles on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and even have our YouTube channel where you can find this episode. So until next time. So my invention of the week this week is about a company I found online called Sanergy. So what this company does is it converts waste into reusable energy, right? So this is heavily predominantly for expanding cities in like third world countries or just not as developed countries. So you're talking like Bogota, Colombia, Mumbai, India, Manila, the Philippines, Dakar, Senegal, places where the population is booming and traditional sanitation methods may not work to the likelihood of first world countries, right, Um, or the probability. So they've created a completely green and environmentally um, healthy process in which they're able to convert the human waste into biogas to fuel their factories, Um, insect-based animal feeds for their farms, as well as organic fertilizer for farmers to grow more higher yield crops. So I thought this was a really great initiative for people to kind of use their brains, get things around, and then create a, a fully contained system that is not only healthy for the environment healthy for the people so that way they can make sure to not have sicknesses and diseases and that type of things um, and help clean up the whole sanitation area to make people just generally more healthy so with that i will put a link to the uh, to the video and also the article in the description below thanks for listening